Hi, I'm taking a break over the next few weeks. Meanwhile, here's an episode you might have missed. So you'll know, I have some fantastic guests lined up in 2023, many that you've requested. Season's greetings and happy 2023 to all of y'all. Thank you for the messages, emails, support, and the reviews. You make the magic happen for all things Tudor. Hi, I'm Deb Hunter, and welcome to All Things Tudor, the podcast that blows the dust off the history books and brings the world of the Tudors roaring back to life. Each episode will bring you awesome guests and topics, stories, and revelations. The power, the sex, the scandals, the romance, and the ruthlessness. So join me, and together we'll pull back the curtain and discover the real lives of the Tudors. Hi, this is Deb Hunter, and welcome to All Things Tudor. It is my pleasure to welcome our very special guest today, Dan Snow. He is known in the UK as the History Guy, but he's much more than that. He's a historian, a podcaster, TV personality. He's won possibly every accolade the UK can give him. He's kind of Snow, Dan Snow, because of his adventures, and I'm thrilled to welcome him today. Dan, how are you doing? I am doing great. Very nice to be on the uh, on the line to Tennessee. Well, thank you. It's great to talk to you. Um, I do have a quick question for you. If someone didn't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Well, it's a good, very good question. Though. It's something, Deb, that I struggle with because I don't really know what I do. <laughs> I use all these new platforms that have been that have come into existence, and I whether it's hanging out on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or TikTok. Um, and and I put as much history stuff on there as I can. I got a podcast that millions of people listen to every month. I, I make TV shows for my own history channel, History Hit TV. So I, you know what? I don't even know really what I am, but I think I'm a, I'm a kind of history broadcaster. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds great to me. Um, what was the one specific moment that made you? think, I want to know more about history. Well, I, in my family, it wasn't a moment. In my family, we just, no one ever knew anything different. We had it with our, our mother's milk. So we, everyone's a historian in our family. My grandma, my my mom's Canadian. So my grand, my Canadian grandma would tell stories all day, every day, all into the night in our farm in Ontario about how we came to be as a family, what, what we were doing there. You know, why, why she had a Welsh name, Married to a Scottish guy, in the and she was born in India, and they were living out their days in Ontario. Like that's an interesting story. That's a story that was important. It told us who we all were, what where we'd come from. It's a story about the twentieth century. It's about the British Empire. It's a story about the fall of the British Empire. It's a story about changing world politics. And and so her her daughter, my aunt, became a historian at Oxford University and elsewhere. My mum's a journalist, which is basically kind of like a historian, so working out what's going on and trying to make sense of everything. And my dad's a journalist, and he loves history. So I, I grew up, we, 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 whether it's in our grandma's house in, in Canada or whether it's running around the UK where I grew up visiting big old stately homes and the place they shot Downton Abbey or, or 
or castles or battlefields or galleries or museums. Like history is all we did. So I didn't even know it was a separate subject till I got to school. And I was like, oh, there's things like math and other things I got to do. But um, so it's just always it's it's in our blood and it's in my kids' blood now. It's what I do with them. They have no choice either, and so they. They kind of. I don't even know. People say, "Do your kids love history?" I'm like, I don't know. They, they do a lot of it, right? They, they, I take them everywhere with me, and they, they're always at HMS Victory, looking at Nelson, the spot where Nelson was killed, shot, and then where he was killed, and Mary Rose, and they go. They've been to the Vines, the house near us in near Basingstoke, where Henry VIII brought uh, Anne Boleyn when they were newly married. Like you know, my kids do a lot of that. So. It's just what we do. Well, I absolutely love that you do that with your children. That is just wonderful. And speaking of the Americas and the Tudors, why do you think the Tudors are such a global phenomenon? And especially here in America, why do you think we're so captivated by that one dynasty? I do not have an answer to this. I do not have an answer, Debs. It is a, it's a fascination to me because... I'm kind of a big fan of the Hanoverians, right? I think George I, second and third are kind of interesting. But, uh, I, well, I mean, I, I obviously I find all our, our dynasties equally fascinating. But the, um, I guess a couple of things. One is it is the dynasty that English settlement in North America begins under. We get John Cabot discovering Newfoundland for Henry VII. We get the first colonies under... Elizabeth in the end of the 16th century that might have something to do with it. I think it's the fact that it's the first dynasty where you get queens regnant. So you, a lot of a thousand years of English history, a thousand years of English kings, and well, slightly less than a thousand years, and, but you know, decades, centuries and centuries. And then you get Mary and then Elizabeth, the first two women that actually rule in their own right in English history, I think is super interesting. And then you've got the, the the huge character of Henry VIII. I mean, he's a very hard person to see beyond the physicality, his decline into tyranny and despotism. I mean, I think his cruelty towards the end of his life is his shining radiance at the beginning of his life. I think he's a very, in a way, like he attracts, um, he attracts the gaze. Uh, and then you know, I think Elizabeth, Elizabeth as well, his daughter had that same charisma and and fascination. So I, I guess it's. I guess it's the, the the period in they were at history, like the period when when things were changing so rapidly. Europe was going from a kind of little backwater on the edge of Eurasia to being this globally dominant presence. That was all that that change was underway. But in their period, North America was being incorporated into European world in that period. And I think they also are charismatic, remarkable, colourful, eccentric terrifying in their own right. So I, I guess it's some combination of that. But I agree. Listen, it's so fascinating. I, and I guess on a basic level, right, Henry VIII's love life is, is of interest, right? All those different all those different queens is, is kind of fascinating. Um, but I mean, Charles II's love life was insane. Henry I's love life was bonkers. And yet for some reason, Henry VIII is the one that we're just fascinated by. Well, who do you think of the Tudors would have the largest social media following? <laughs> I think that... Elizabeth I would have been very, very good at it. She was a, a master. She was a mistress of, in the arts of image and spinning and public communication. I think the young Henry VIII, though, probably, the young Henry VIII, when he was allowed out by his father, Henry VII, and he just sort of discovered life and discovered all those naughty friends like Charles Brandon. And I think he, early on, he would have gone crazy on social media. Instagram would have loved him. And I think... I think it, probably he would have had the biggest following. Well, what about Tinder? 
Well, you know what? Now the problem here, Debs, is you're talking to a guy who's too old for Tinder. I, I, I'm, I was happily married when Tinder was invented. <laughs> so um, tra- tragically, I've never enjoyed the... I've never even opened the app. But yeah, I think the young Henry VIII, people said of him, he was the most glamorous and beautiful prince in, in Europe in living memory. So I think he would have been hugely successful. I, I think it's, it's tough to see beyond him as a, as a young man. That's a good point. I have a question. Something you talk about all the time is you call it the long 18th century. What is that? <laughs> and it's my it's my funny thing that I do. It's uh, <laughs> I um, I just love it. so so basically it's academics do it. I, I just stole it from people cleverer than I. They borrow bits of century either side, right? So they go the long 19th, the long 19th century basically includes everything till 1914 and the outbreak of the first world war so the long 18th century is you steal a bit either end so you steal the late 17th century so 1688-89 uh, the glorious revolution you get this revolution in britain you get uh, transformation in how the the crown is able to borrow money the bank of england is founded uh, you get various financial and political changes that really matter and start to move towards a more sort of constitutional monarchy in, in England and, and Britain. And then you go all the way through to 80, so you go through the 1700s, having a good old time, and then you get to the, Napole- the French Revolutionary Napoleonic Wars, and that takes you to 1815, Battle of Waterloo. So you kind of, you steal the, the last bit of the 17th century and the first bit of the 19th century, you get the long 18th century, which I always talk about is like the Second Hundred Years' War, a series of titanic wars that go between Britain and France for mastery, first of, of you know, regional mastery and then eventually for kind of global mastery. Uh, and I think it's just a, a kind of a useful way of looking at that period. But yeah, I, sh- I always go on about it. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's wonderful. Do you see any commonalities between the long 18th century and the Tudor era? Yeah, very much so. It's a good, good point. So similarly, in Henry VII seizes the throne in the late 1480s or the 1480s. So in a weird way, looking at the Tudor period, you've got to go, you've got to steal a teeny, teeny bit of the 17th century, not much because Elizabeth doesn't live through much of it, but you've got to steal a little bit of the um, the 15th century, right? You've got to steal the last decade and a half of the, of the 15th century. Some pretty important stuff happens in there for the Tudors, like they emerge, they consolidate their position, they see off their the pretenders to the throne, were they rich the third's kids? Who knows? Who knows? So I think, yeah, I think that's true. I think it's it's useful to have that concept and, and to, to nibble a bit out of, out of the centuries other side as well. Very good points. Is there one person in history that you read everything about? Uh, that is a good point. I, I've probably read most of the books about Nelson. I mean, I've, yeah, most of the mainstream books about Nelson I've probably read. Um, I find him a fascinating character. I've read a lot of books about Wellington as well, those, those twin leaders of, of Britain's um, fleets and armies in the early 19th century. I find I find that those two characters very interesting. Yeah, I, I read a lot about a lot of different periods, especially for my podcast and stuff. So I, I don't get to binge on one particular period as much as I'd like. Well, I have to tell you, you've got one good looking bookcase behind you. So congrats on that. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I have a lovely library. I'm very lucky indeed. You really, truly do. Let's go back to Nelson. You also talk about him a lot for all the obvious reasons. What's the one thing you learned about him that absolutely blew your mind? 
So I think that Nelson, the people serving under him were like tough sailors. They've been around Cape Horn. They've seen their mates have limbs chopped off with their anaesthetic. They've been under fire. They've survived hurricanes and so They're pretty tough guys. And yet their response, their admiral dying, was like people were breaking down in tears. In the, in the letters home sent by normal seamen, these are not like officers who are just kind of who are close to Nelson. These are like normal sailors in, in as much as we were able to access their memories and their thoughts and their feelings. They're saying letters home properly distraught about the loss of this admiral. And I always think about like, what does that mean? Like, that's amazing. This admiral, some of them, they've never even met him. They may have seen him on the deck of another ship or sort of seen him as he's passing by. He obviously had a very profound effect on the people that served with him. So what is that charisma? Like, how do you, how do you achieve that? That's, I find that remarkable. So I think it's that. I think it's his human, his, his human magnetism. I like that. If you're a fan of Tudor history, come join us at All Things Tudor, a Facebook group dedicated to, well, all things Tudor. Members can contribute a wide array of subject matter about Tudor history. You can also listen to the All Things Tudor podcast. There's a book club and a weekly clubhouse live audio chat, often featuring very special guests. Look for upcoming surprises for the group members in 2022. Become a member of one of the largest groups of Tudor history enthusiasts on the planet. Simply go to the Facebook search bar, type in All Things Tudor, select the option to join the group, and of course answer the membership questions. Join us now at All Things Tudor. Look forward to seeing you. Let's talk about your podcast. Do you have any special Tudor things coming up you can share with us? Well, obviously, you know, I love the Mary Rose. Mary Rose is, is Tudor, but it's of, of global significance. It's the most extraordinary, one of the most extraordinary wrecks ever, ever recovered. Look, there's always plenty of Tudor material. We're going to be looking next year at Henry VII a little bit more. Like, found, we're going to go. I think we might make a show about Bosworth on History Hit TV. It, it's Bosworth is something that really does have huge. Every time we tweet about it or we publish an article on the website historyhit.com, Bosworth does really well. Uh, so I don't know why. It's fascinating, of course, but it is just crazy how popular it seems. So. Uh, we're going to be looking at that in a bit more detail, trying to identify the battlefield. There's some question marks about exactly where it might have taken place. So that'll be super interesting. And then at the other end of the scale, we may look a bit more at Shakespeare and his relationship with you know, Catholicism, the place he was he was, he was was brought up in, a very, very Catholic part of the country, how he and his father would have to negotiate that in, in a world where practicing Catholicism became a imprisonable crime. So we're going to be looking at him at the other end of the Tudor period. Well, we're really looking forward to that. Uh, we actually shared your Mary Rose video in the All Things Tudor group last night, where you take a canon from the Mary Rose and explain how it worked. So that's been very popular uh, and a, a point of yeah. discussion just this morning. So uh, we're really into it. And thanks for doing stuff like that, because it teaches us so much about how that era worked in so many different ways beyond Henry VIII and his wives. So thanks for that. And a quick question on your podcast. What inspired you to start a podcast? Well, I was lucky enough to... Be a little early into it, I guess. I, mean, I, th I didn't think I was early at the time. But just a big lesson there is you're always early. If you, if you have a dream and you think you've missed a boat, you haven't missed a boat, get it started, get it done now, because in a few years' time, you'll look back and think, geez, I'm glad I did it then. So it was 2015, and and um, I don't know. I just, I, I was, hung I wanted to, I've spent my whole career being on TV, but being 
bossed about and ordered around by commissioning editors, you know, what we call gatekeepers here in the UK. You know, people who publish newspapers and books and do TV shows and, and you have to go and kind of speak to them and get given a commission. You know, can I make a show about this? Can I make a show about that? And I've always looked, I knew the internet was coming. I knew it was going to change everything. And I, I wanted to take advantage of that. So I've always tried everything. I tried publishing apps to iPads. I tried few little YouTube experiments and nothing would, some things would work, some things wouldn't. And then one day I, I, I just went, I've got to do the podcasting because I, I can just talk to people I want to talk to. I can, I can do the subjects, I want, I'm, stuff I'm interested. This is going to be great. And so I'm so glad I started because it's now getting to millions of people every month and I just feel hugely privileged. That's absolutely fabulous. And we're big followers, not only of you, but there's some other podcast of interest. Do you want to tell us about those? Well, of course, there's uh, this Professor Susanna Lipscomb with Not Just the Tudors. She's obviously one of the best Tudor historians in the world. And it's been a huge honor having her join my kind of podcasting family. So she's doing that a couple of times a week. And she looks at the Tudors, but not just the Tudors. So all the 16th century, you know, I think it's interesting to know what's going on around the Tudors. King Francis in France was causing trouble for old Henry VIII, King Charles, Suleiman the Magnificent, the Ming Dynasty in China. So it's a really interesting time right around the world. And of course, the Aztecs. So I think she's going to have enough material to keep her going for decades to come, for sure. But it's funny looking at those episodes because the ones about Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII, they always do best. Yeah, it's funny the way that works. She's very popular in our group as well, but it's wonderful learning about things beyond the Tudor court. And um, Matt Lewis is another favorite in the group. Doesn't he have a history hit podcast? Oh, he's a, le he's a legend. So he's got a, a going medieval podcast. Gold Medieval, I should say, and he does it with Dr. Kat Jarman. So he does kind of later Middle Ages. Kat Jarman does the earlier Middle Ages, the Vikings, Anglo-Saxons, all that kind of stuff. So between the two of them, they've got a sweet, pretty sweet deal going on over there. And uh, and yeah, they're, they're a class act. So we kind of got British history. Well, we're breaking it. Well, British, hopefully, and, and European history. We, we've got pretty covered now. We've got an ancient podcast. Got a medieval. Got the, got the Tudors sorted. And then um, we got the kind of more recent warfare podcast as well, looking at military history. So we're, we're, we're thinking of launching a few more, but we're just slowly breaking it down. We'll be covering all the history by the time this journey's over. That's great. Well, we look forward to that journey. And we've had some questions from the group. Would you mind taking a couple of minutes to answer those for them? Of course, it'd be a pleasure. Well, you did get a couple of marriage proposals. A couple of offers to um, oh. take you out for drinks. So, so <laughs> if you ever want those names, I, I will. I'm, if any, I'm sure. <laughs> I will definitely take you up on that. Mark White wants to know if you could travel in time for one event in history, or for a few months. What or when would it be? Well, I think I would love to have witnessed the Battle of Trafalgar. I find the idea of these huge ships of the line sailing towards each other at very low speeds, exchanging cannon fire, fires breaking out, ships exploding. I mean, obviously terif you know, terrifying to watch, but I think in terms of a, an awful spectacle, I think it would be... I, I, I can't imagine those fleets of ships sailing. I'd, I'd love to see that. I find those, I'd find that totally compelling. Um, but I'm very, very glad that I, I've, I'd be allowed to kind of drone above it or helicopter above it because it would have been properly dangerous and scary and terrifying to be on those gun decks as those big ships were blasting each other at point-blank range, splinters flying through the air, tearing people limb from limb, cannonballs which could kill you by just passing close to you. So great was their, the shock of their passing. Musket fire, 
bit obscured by smoke and possibly you know when the when the fire if the fire ships caught fire they reached the magazine they could blow the blow the whole ship sky high men drowning and then terrible storm that follows so i'd find that a kind of gruesome but unmissable spectacle yeah sometimes there's just those historical train wrecks you just can't seem to take your eyes off of aren't there yeah i think that's right i think to see People say, well, why do you love military history? It's so, it's so dark and ter- like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like you're a voyeur, you're just interested in death. And I think, no, I just think it's, of all the things humans have ever done, that's military, sadly, it's on one of the greatest canvases. You know, to see D-Day uh, or to see the great Mongol fleets trying to attack Japan or to see the Spanish Armada, those things would have been extraordinary. The extraordinary things to, to watch and see and, and, and terrible and awful, but just gigantic in their scale. Absolutely. Another question, Eileen Kontrovitz wants to know if you could travel back in time to the Tudor era, where would you go and who would you meet? Well, obviously, I would love to see Queen uh, Elizabeth. I think she was an extraordinary character. I'd love to have seen her kind of navigating her way in a man's world. I think that's really, really interesting how she had done that and the kind of leadership she showed. And I'd like to learn more about her leadership. You know, what was she in really in charge? You know, what 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 was the what was the nature of the power that she was wielding there? I think that's fascinating. And seeing her agonizing over killing her cousin, Mary Queen of Scots, would have been fascinating as well. So that would have been that would have been awesome. And then you can hang out with Shakespeare on the way and, and some of the extraordinary characters around that court, whether it's Drake or Raleigh as well. I, I would love to have seen that. That would be a great time. You're absolutely right. Joe Eccles wants to know what is your favorite castle? Well, I uh, that's a very, very good question. And I mean, I love Crack de Chevalier in Syria, the Crusader Castle there. I love Bamborough Castle on the, on the north coast of England, overlooking the North Sea. I love uh, the castles of North Wales. Where, when I was young, I used to go and visit these castles, Harlech, Conway Castle, Carnarvon Castle, uh, which were all very special for me personally. Urquhart Castle in Loch Ness in, in Scotland is probably a, one of the classics. That's a, that's well, it's tough to beat Urquhart Castle. So yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult question, man. That's that's torture for me. <laughs> well, we don't want it to be torture. Uh, well, I mean, no, I enjoy. It. I enjoy. It. It's difficult to answer. Anita Butler just wanted you to know she heard your David Lloyd George talk, and that it was absolutely outstanding. Oh, well, thank you very much indeed. That's really kind. Thank you. And Maddie Thompson said, if you could interview one historical figure, who would it be and why? I think pretty. I think Alexander the Great's tough to, tough to beat there. He, he was, there was something crazy going on with that guy. So I'd like to have interviewed him. But you know what? I just, it's, again, that's a tough question for me because there's so many people that every time I arrive in a new period, I, I would, you know, I, I become fascinated with people. I'm telling new stories. Um, so I think Alexander Great would be fascinating. Obviously, Nelson I mentioned. Elizabeth I would be out, just fascinating to talk to. Um, I, I've always found the Empress Theodora, who rose, who became Empress of the Eastern Roman Empire, the, the Byzantine Empire. She started life out as a, I mean, you'd, maybe, you'd say a sex worker, maybe a, a, per, a person performing in the circus. And like, how did she pull that off? That's an extraordinary climb to dump power. And, and she was an amazing person. So, she would be a fantastic person to interview as well. There is just so much to choose from, isn't there? There really is, yeah. Well, back to History Hit, is there anything you can share with us? Do you have any secrets you would like to tell us about before you tell anybody else? Uh, well, yeah, I can tell you some secrets. We're, next year we're going to be going after a medieval king, 
uh, the burial of a medieval king, which no one else knows about yet. We, we're doing some archaeology. We think we might have discovered the, the site a uh, medieval king of England was buried, and we're going to do some non-invasive work and then perhaps even an excavation as the year goes on. We're going to be looking for First World War tanks on, on a battlefield in France. And I'm going, I'll tell you, no one else knows this yet. I'm going to the Antarctic as well with History It. So um, it's going to be a busy year next year. Well, it sounds great. I look forward to it. And Dan, thank you so very much. You are welcome back on All Things Tudor at any time. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you very much. That's great. great always great talking to you. You've been listening to All Things Tudor. My thanks go to listeners, my husband, and my team. If you like what you hear, leave a review, follow wherever you get your podcast, and share with your friends to help others find the show. Join the All Things Tudor Facebook community to connect with tens of thousands of Tudor history lovers. You can also connect with me across social media at the Deb ATL. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch y'all later.